Welcome to the Recon Podcast. In this episode, I'll be chatting with Lawrence Malice, the man behind the legendary trade club in London. We talk about the club's history, changes in the scene, and about Kinky Trade, the most recent collaboration between trade and recon, bringing together the underground music scene, queer clubbing scene, and the fetish scene. Enjoy the episode. So, if any of you listening are on the Recon platform and following us on social media, hopefully you've seen by now quite a bit of the promo that we've been putting out uh, for the upcoming Kinky Trade event, which is going to be on uh, Bank Holiday Sunday, the 30th of April, um, between Recon and Trade Club. Um, it's been such a treat to have uh, such an iconic brand uh, to want to do a collab with us on an event like this. And I think we're really excited about the possibilities, not just for the hopeful success of the club night, but also about what it could potentially mean for the London club scene. Um, you know, we're always thinking about ways to innovate and inspire and to bring something new to the scene. And I think this is really the perfect opportunity for that. You know, we always hear people talking about um, going to other clubs, you know, in cities like Berlin or Madrid and how it's so great to have, um, you know, the mix of music lovers and the queer clubbers and the kinksters all together in the same space. And of course, we would then ask the question, why not here in London? If not, why not? So let's bring in the man behind the legend and see if maybe we can get him to tell us more about the scene, about this incredible event and what this is going to mean for London nightlife underground clubbing scene. So please welcome Lawrence Malice to our podcast. Welcome, Lawrence. Well, nice to meet you guys. Hi, Lawrence. Welcome. So I think... um, I remember meeting you the first time and thinking like, I know the name so well. And it was so interesting to meet you for the first time. And, you know, for those of you who can't see, I mean, Lawrence is sitting somewhere in the sun and completely. Oh, really? (laughs) 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 Walking into that meeting for the first time, I was thinking, okay, so just who is Lawrence Malice? So why don't you tell us who is Lawrence Malice? It's really strange. I get asked this so many times and it's just like, I don't know. It's, it's a very, it's a very strange thing to, to uh, um, sort of big yourself up. But I basically, I, I start off as an artist, uh, a visionary, club promoter. These are all comments that people have made about me in the past. So that's it. So it's not me blowing my own trumpet. Is this is what people have said? But it does feel like I'm blowing my own <laughs> trumpet. It does. So, uh, oh, I'm absolutely gorgeous. See you in the dark room. I think sometimes it's I mean sometimes it's good when you do amazing things like this sometimes you've got to also learn to give yourself a little bit of credit you know for uh, creating something so iconic. Yeah. It's very it's very difficult because I you know I come from a a, a very large family of achievers and uh, you know my father hated people that gloated and I just I don't know I just I, I it's I, you know that's it I, I just got that from him. So so lovely. I think one of the questions that probably most people would also ask you is how did the creation of trade come about? You know, most people would either create a club night um, to do because they may see a gap in a nightlife scene or a gap in the, a gap in the clubbing environment where they live or the city that they're in. Or, you know, somebody once said to me, well, I just kind of created the type of party I would have loved to have gone to myself. And so something else begins. Um, what was it that brought about the birth of trade? All right, fine. Let me take you back a few years. It's very hard to imagine with the way that the gay scene is now. But at one time, I mean, after 
the AIDS epidemic and so many people dying, it's just that any, you know, places like heaven and other gay establishments were actually, a lot of people wouldn't go to these places because they they, they felt even just walking down there, like the COVID, that you, you would catch it. So we had, uh, so uh, it was very commonplace at that time for clubs to close at 3 a.m. And I, uh, for years, uh, uh, well, for a bit, not years, for a period of time, I, I've been involved in a, a total illegal after hours. And there was, they were all, always problematic, always. I just, and, and also, the, the, the gays would go to places like Russell Square and they would be beaten up. They would go cruising and they would get beaten up. So what I wanted to do was uh, create a safe environment for gay people, but also the early days of trade. It was not only for gays, but people that were of light minds. And that is very, 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 very important. And so it, so I, that's how, how it came about. I, 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 I approached... Uh, John Newman, the owner of Term Mills, and I asked him to apply for this license. And he said, "Well, why do you want a license like, like that?" So I said, "Well, it's I said, John, it's the perfect place to go and have breakfast." <laughs> Which I mean, yeah, I know, I know. So the, the original flyers, uh, I always had to put on about breakfast, always, e- even though it wasn't that difficult to get a drink down there at all. Either, uh, but the license, the, the, the license wasn't for booze. It was purely as a, a safe place to go dancing, and so that's that's the first ingredient. Yeah, I, I was always quite intrigued. Like in when I, I didn't move to London in two thousand, and then at one point in my life, I lived down in Clerkenwell, and I knew this Turnmills building, and it actually took a little while before I realised what was happening. And it it always intrigues me of how sometimes particular clubbing nights get into a particular space, into a particular building. And then it just becomes like, you know, the home of the event and it just kind of thrives. What is it that you think made trade thrive at Turnmills? Well, this is all right, fine. So let's go through a couple of points. So basically uh, it was, it was predominantly gay, but as I said, but, but like-minded people were invited the door pickers had a lot to do with choosing the right people with the right attitude and that was what is was uh, that because for people to for people to be up at that hour you had to, you the last thing is we wanted people uh, even the gays fighting amongst themselves or the uh the transvestites punching at each other out with handbags and the rest but so if, for, for, for us it was always choosing the right people at the door so that was really really important and uh, and that's and so all of that all of that comes from yeah your door policy and yet you know, i remember like when i lived in clarkenwell and there's one point in time in my life when I was a performer, I was in Lion King for many years and I had a Sunday matinee. And when I lived down in Clark and when I used to go down, get the train at Farringdon at 1 p.m. in the afternoon. And I was always so amazed by the wide demographic of people coming out of that space in the afternoon. And I used to look at them and think, and at one point I used to think like, where the fuck are these people coming from? Like, it was incredible to see the people streaming out of Sunday afternoon, either sitting on the platform, going home, people still going in. I thought this was incredible. And and then again, I know you talked about, you know, like choosing the right people. But if I think about this, you know, in terms of like a club promoter, the people coming in, I would always think like there was not really one particular face of a clubber that you could say like, oh, that person is definitely a trade clubber. You know, so I if I you. didn't if I didn't know it, 
And if I heard it the first time, you know, like what would I expect to see when I when I get into trade? What was it like? Who would I, who would I see on the dance floor? They're about head to this, but they came. The people came from all walks of life. As I, and this goes back. To, yeah, you, that goes. I love. By the way, I love your story, and I can imagine you being a dancer. Uh, but it was it was always always been about diversity because it, it has to be. It's the job people choosing the right people, and of course, then everything becomes word of mouth. So that is also uh, that 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 is what brings people to the party. Need something tight and shiny for a special event? Want ideas for your next session? At Regulation, we're stocking thousands of products, including leather, rubber, toys, electro, restraints, and playroom furniture. Now shipping worldwide. Or get free UK shipping when you spend over £25. Visit our London store or shop online at regulation.co.uk. Regulation. Kink. Delivered. I think about, you know, I, I keep saying this again, and I have to call it, you know, something that's really legendary. When I think about other clubs that have like come and gone and the reputation of some of these uh, parties that happen, you know, that people talk about it for years and years and years and years. And I wonder, as a as the promoter, as the, you know, the creator of such a, um, an incredible night, what do you think was the thing that built this, and I, as I would describe, deliciously sexy and naughty reputation for trade? Because it was so many things to so many different people. And there's then yes. definitely one thing you knew. It was sexy and it was naughty. Well, let's see, this is, it, it, Anton, you know for a fact that the only way that a party can really happen and an event can happen is by a lot of hard work. Yes. And hard work, and, you know, we've all, you know, you put a lot of work into your parties. And that is why we enjoy working with you guys. You don't leave, and you don't leave anything out. And in those early days of trade, that my team, the people that I worked with, like the Trade Collective, everyone worked so hard because they believed in it. Uh, there's no party can work unless there's passion behind it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's, so, it's so weird that when it was the final um, party at Terminals, I made an announcement, which, oh God, I live to re regret. There was like three ex-partners <laughs> down at the club. There was three ex-partners down at the club, and I'd, I'd had some sherries, and basically the uh, my comments were, trade my first love and true love. I said that, and afterwards they came, oh, God, I was attacked by three of them afterwards. But the fact is, it's all about passion and love what you're doing. Yeah. And I didn't live that one down, dear. Oh, I know. When, when, when the last trade happened at Turnmill 2008, I mean, it created such a stir across the city. Did you ever think that it would come back or that, you know, the, the reputation would be celebrated so much? Uh, how can I say? It was never meant to cease at Turnmill's. It was very, 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 very difficult uh, to continue um, uh, working on trade as the total geography, the landscape of gay clubbing changed. Yeah. And it, it just wasn't, it just wasn't there. It wasn't East anymore. It was South, South London. And that's what happened. 
It was south of the river, so that's it. Uh, that's it. So it's and you can't go, even though we were, uh, you know, trade was getting still a lot of healthy numbers. I just, I just felt that I needed a break from it for a time, and then decide where we go forward. I mean, for all the time when I stopped doing trade, constantly people say, "Bring it back, bring it back." But as I said, I had so much love for the, I have so much love for the brand, and I just want to make sure it's run properly. And you can't do that. You can't do that by passing it over to other people. Yeah. Sometimes your baby remains your baby from start to finish, right the way through. I mean, well, Mark Williams does a fantastic job in pulling it all in together, but it's also, it, it, it takes a lot out of one person. And if it's, it's a good point you made too about, you know, the shift in how clubbing from London went from east to south. And if I think about what's happening in the London clubbing scene now, you know, I mean, there's such a, a shift. And I east. wonder... If you think that there's, you know, something that's missing still in the clubbing dynamic of the, you know, the London clubbing scene, which would, of course, now bring about the birth of something like kinky trade. There's three ingredients there uh, 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 of kinky trade, and it works. It absolutely works. I've actually been told, which I was actually quite uh, shocked by, that uh, the other... um, uh, after hours in London, actually starting to play techno music. You know, trade was the first place to play techno music in the UK, and it's just it's it, that, so. All these years later, it's now the norm. But we but, but we have chosen the right DJs to bring it up to a fresh new norm. Yeah, do you do you agree? I mean, you're so you are so into the music yourself. Is that you know? I don't have to sit down with you and convince you into taking this DJ or that DJ, and that DJ should run after this DJ. No, it's. It, I think it's really simple because as a, you know, someone who has quite a bit of a history um, in the event scene, especially in London and other cities around the world as well, I realise how for so many people the music is the thing that really makes the atmosphere, that sets the pace, and we know that you know. I mean, for Kinky Trade coming up, listeners, you may not know, but there's an incredible list of 15 DJs um, who are going to be playing this event from literally from sun down until sun up. Um, yeah. It's going to be it's going to be an absolute fucking marathon, which I think is going to be amazing. And there's a little bit of something for everyone. It's always hard to please everybody. But I think still at the end, you know, your combination has really got to be about the right DJs with the right music setting the right pace for the party to actually take place and we'll have a good time. Well, yeah, see, this here is that there's two styles of music. There's house and there's hard music. And both are journeys through music. So the beat, uh, beats per minute increase as the uh, event uh, gets later. The whole premise of doing this, uh, and I'll go back to that again, when you talk about the three ingredients you know i think the the bits that we want to actually put together the ingredients in the bowl you know and it's this group of people from the london underground music scene from the queer um music and clubbing scene and also from the fetish scene i think getting these three people together in one space is going to be something that's going to be quite unique and i'm wondering too when we think about the shift in the dynamic and the way that people club let's say for kinky trade how important is it that you think it will be to have this men-only play space at the event? So listeners, yes, Kinky Trade will have a men-only play space if you're listening. It will do. And Lawrence, why do you think it's important to have that space? Well, is it, is it because it, for, it, the, the name says it. 
kinky trade. And the fact is, there's no way. I don't want to do a vanilla version of the name. There is, you know, you guys are an important ingredient into this party, and I think it's very important that men do have their own place. Space. Absolutely, we know that we know that some people are going to question it, but I'm really glad. So, if you're listening in, you know the kinky trade, the men only play space is going to take over the entire attic floor uh, of egg. That's maybe another really good question. How the hell did you end up at egg? I own the place. Shut your mouth. <laughs> did, you, did you not know that? Are you serious? I think I, I think I are you are you are you serious now? <laughs> I'm kidding. I know are you. you, are you are, are, oh my god! But, but I hate the fact that people know that I own a venue. I hate it. I hate it. Uh, I know. I know that you own it, but many people don't know that you own it. Oh, oh my god! Yeah. Well. Many people don't know that you own it. I know that you own it, but many people don't know. What is it yeah. like being? I mean, we know how hard clubbing is. Oh, what's it like being do? Oh God! What's it like own a place? Don't ask me that. Oh please, <laughs> oh, I would. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, dear. It's very, I very. I have to say, it's difficult. Uh, to Anton, it's difficult because uh, my background has always been creating, artistic. But you know, when I have to worry about the bloody toilets breaking down or a bar staff having turned up, or stuff, oh God, it's oh I'm I, I'm a, a creative person that's been forced to be a businessman. And the only reason that I wanted to end up like an idiot, um, the only reason I wanted to own my own place is because I never, ever felt secure with turn mills. Never felt secure. The problem is, once you bring a successful party to a venue, they honestly believe they can do it without you. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, at one time, which I shouldn't say this, but they're not going to be listening in, uh, they were going to they they were going to sack. They approached all my DJs to DJ for them. They were going to sack. Um, they were going to sack uh, sack me, get me out of the party, and they were going to call it rent. What? Rent. R e n t. Rent. And but run the same hours as trade of agents. Well, I think we're all very glad that that never happened. Well, never yeah. get off the ground. So that's no. really good. But okay. they, actually, they approached, yeah, but they actually approached all my DJs. That is total bonkers. Okay, yeah. so before we shoot off, I've got a few quick fire questions for you. Tell us something about Lawrence Malice that party goers would never guess. A gender illusionist. What is one of your favorite memories of trade? There's so many. And my memory's not that good. <laughs> I, got, I couldn't even. I, I couldn't even tell you that on the po- podcast. Uh, my favourite memories. I'd rather not. <laughs> Next. Okay, I'll pull one up. Do you have a favourite DJ? Anton, as you're fully aware, we have got so many brilliant DJs. I just there's so many. I couldn't choose one in particular. No, all the DJ. Uh, when. Um, I mean, obviously, when the lights, uh, when Chris McCoy and also Chris McCoy and Lisa German just died and uh, Tony TV, when these um, DJs pass on, it affects me really badly, really, really badly. So I'd rather not say. I can imagine you've had very close and long lasting relationships yeah, with yeah, many yeah, yeah, of the top DJs across yeah, the city. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's There's, very upsetting. Yeah, I'll I'll ask you about one story. I I read a story somewhere of like smoked filled dance floors, sirens, dancing firemen, 
on the floor at at a, at a trade event. What yeah. was that like? It sounds like absolute fantastic mayhem. Oh, it was amazing. Amazing. But all the parties were, were amazing. For the 10th birthday party, um, I decided to do a, re- a, re- a reactment of the raid we had outside uh, Termals. Uh, the owner of, uh, of ter- uh, the owner of Termals was very unhappy. I had, I had people dressed up in, uh, policemen dressed up in uh, a trade police outfits, and they handcuffed me to the back banisters and it, and it was the reenactment the manager or the owner went oh it went ballistic <laughs> it sounds like you have definitely needed to be in the audience to see it okay yeah, basically yeah another quick for two more just two more have you decided what gear you're wearing at kinky trade all i can say it'll be masculine <laughs> okay, we'll keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Um, you won't. And... Rec- well, no, uh, yeah, you won't recognize me. Uh, please continue. <clears throat> okay, actually, two more, two more, two more, two more. We, I know that it's been done somewhere else before, but if we're looking for kinky trade outside of London in another city, where do we hope people will see kinky trade next? Well, I personally, I feel wherever you invite us. Because we would like to, we would like to do with re- no, no, it's like we want to do it with recon. We want to establish this. We want to establish a good relationship with you guys. I mean, we have, we have been, we had been approached by other um, people to do this type of event. I've always said no, but because because that recon is the most credible, you know, we say yeah, or we've approached you, yeah. Great, great. Absolutely. Great. We like the sign of that. Lawrence, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Short thank and, you, and brief. We really love that. So listeners of the podcast, if you haven't yet heard about Kinky Trade, get onto the Recon platform or any of the Recon social media platforms. And there you find a lot of the promo for Kinky Trade. Look at the incredible list of DJs that we've got lined up. It's from 6 p.m. in the afternoon until 9 a.m. the next morning. It is going to be a marathon event. You need to brace yourself for it. It's going to be amazing. If you haven't yet got tickets, get them now. Get onto the Recon website or onto the Egg website. And there you'll find the link to tickets for Kinky Trade. And we will have them out and on sale in the London shops next week. So thank you for listening. And hopefully we'll see you on the 30th of April at Kinky Trade in London. Bye for now. Thanks, Lawrence. Thank you. Bye. Ciao, ciao. Bye. 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 Bye.